So for a while in the early 90s, I was known as the porn king of the University of Western Australia. <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me the things that people share about themselves live on stage. You're listening to Untold Stories of Perth, a special Bareface Stories edition. So, hi, hi. And as I'm going down the highway backwards, my skirt is up here. But still I'm thinking, how, how am I going to get someone's attention? Just there, just boxer shorts on. I got a visit from two resplendently clad policemen. <laughs> I took the pen that I keep on the dash to write down the rego plates of cars that are speeding. And I just absolutely lose it. And I start screaming, I say, Trisha, get your feet away from me. And then Stephen Fry says, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. And the show begins. My name is Andrea Gibbs. I'm the co-founder of Bareface Stories, a live storytelling show that's been running in Perth since 2010. It's a platform for those who surrender to the chaos of being human. Raw, honest, self-aware, real individuals just up on stage wearing their bloody beating hearts on their sleeves. They're armed only with a real-life story to share, and they share some very real moments from their lives. For a young, geeky student of computer science during the early days of the internet in Australia, working out how to write a program to make and distribute photographs meant that you were scientific royalty. In this episode, you'll hear a story from James Panakis, and after it, I'm going to catch up with him, find out how he feels about it all now. So for a while in the early 90s, I was known as the porn king of the University of Western Australia. <laughs> so the way, this, the way this came about was um, I was doing a PhD in computer science at the time and uh, a couple of things happened that, um, that were pretty exciting actually. <laughs> the, the, the first was that my uh, supervisor uh, got a grant to buy a kick-ass computer for me to use for my research. And, you know, back then, computers were, uh, PCs were, uh, weren't very powerful. So if you wanted to do any sort of se- uh, serious research, you needed what was called a workstation, which had a big colour screen and let you display, you know, multiple windows at once. You know, a lot like computers are these days. But the thing is that they were really expensive back then. They were like 25 grand. So, you know, having one of these to myself on my desk for me to use was actually a pretty big deal. And because this thing was such a huge uh, monolith of a thing, I decided to give it the name Bison. So the other thing that happened at that time was that uh, Australia got connected to the internet. But, uh, you know, this wasn't the internet that we know now. It was, you know, really slow. So the internet connection to Australia was about, you know, probably about as fast as the connection is to your house. Uh, And the other thing that was different back then was that there was no World Wide Web. So that was probably still a few years off. And if you wanted to actually do anything that, you know, to talk to other machines, you had to type, you know, these text commands. And it was really clunky, really slow and, you know, pretty, pretty boring. And the closest that we had to the discussion forums that we use today uh, was this thing called Usenet. And it was like a bulletin board. If you wanted to communicate with other people, you'd uh, log into these things that are called news groups and you'd be able to swap messages with them. Uh, and mostly the, the topics, topics of discussion were confined to sort of geeky uh, you know, computer or scientific topics. So I say mostly uh, because one day um, <laughs> some friends of mine and I were reading this Usenet, these, these news groups, and we discovered that people had worked out a way of posting pictures to them. And uh, not just normal pictures either, but uh, pictures of naked people. 
and in fact, uh, pictures of naked people having sex. <laughs> so, you know, for a, for a bunch of uh, young geeky guys, this was like striking gold, really. I mean, it's like this sort of seemingly unlimited reservoir of pornography, you know, it was just like we just couldn't believe our luck. Uh, but the thing is, it wasn't just a simple matter of clicking on a link and having an image pop up on your screen like it is now. In fact, you know, what you had to do, what the, the way they posted these images was they'd, they'd break them up into multiple parts and they'd post them in separate messages. So for us to actually view these pictures meant that we'd actually have to track down each of the individual parts and reassemble them, convert it back to an image, and uh, then it'd pop up on your screen. And, you know, Compared to the resolution these days, if you looked at it on one of your monitors these days, it would probably be like the size of a postage stamp. But, you know, for us back then, it was like, oh, wow, you know, this is just the best thing ever. <laughs> so, you know, after going to this effort for a while, it sort of occurred to me that, you know, this is taking a long time. So, you know, this is the sort of job that would be much better done by a computer. So, you know, since I was a postgrad at the time, which basically means you've got lots of time to do pointless tasks and, you know, little things of your own that are interested that you're interested in yourself. I decided to write a computer program to go out and download all of these parts of the pictures and reassemble them and produce these images. So it took me a couple of months to do this. And uh, <laughs> I, I actually remember that my girlfriend at the time was a little bit concerned that I was spending this much time on writing a program to download pornography. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, I tried to convince her it was purely because of the... Uh, um, the, the challenges, technical challenges involved, but she never, she didn't really quite believe me. <laughs> anyway, so I wrote this program and it was great. It connected to the internet and it starts downloading hundreds of these images and, you know, everything's going well. And then, you know, being the community-minded kind of guy that I am, I thought, well, you know, it'd be really good to share this with all these other people. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's such a hassle to go to, to, to go to to download these pictures. It'd be really good if people had an easy way of accessing them. So I decided to, to run a server on my machine and put these images there so that people could connect and start downloading them. It's just, you know, just what anyone would, would do. Just, you know, you like to share these things. So, yeah, this was all humming away quite nicely. I had my program downloading the pictures. I had the server running it, sharing them. There's people logging in from all around the world. And, you know, all just sort of humming away in the background. And then one day I come into uni and I sit down to actually do a little bit of work because occasionally I did that. And... Um, <laughs> And I noticed that my computer just, you know, couldn't connect to any other computers in the, in the world. So I had a look and I couldn't work out what was wrong. So after a while I went and spoke to us, I went upstairs and spoke to our system administrator and he tries the, the internet on his machine and it's working fine. And uh, so he comes down and he's rummaging around, you know, looking at my computer, checking the internet connections, everything seems to be working. And while he's doing this, my uh, PhD supervisor comes into the office with this very strange look on his face. And so I looked at him and said, well, you know, hey, what's up? And he said, uh, actually, I've just had a phone call from uh, the head of department who's had a phone call from the vice chancellor of the university who's had a phone call from the guy who runs the internet co connection to the rest of the world. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, for some reason, the... Uh, internet connection had ground to a halt. And, um, when, when they investigated it further, they found that uh, traffic to and from this machine called Bison in Western Australia was uh, taking up 93% of the capacity there. So, <laughs> so, 
So my supervisor, who was only about three or four years older than me, he was trying hard not to laugh when he was telling me this. But uh, because the machine was actually bought with his grant money, it was his ass that was on the line. So uh, he sort of gave me a bit of a half-hearted bollocking, and uh, unfortunately I had, I had to disable the uh, porn server on my machine. Um, but nevertheless, uh, this, the bison incident, as it was come, we came to know it, was uh, actually part of internet, Australian internet folklore, which I always thought was pretty cool. Uh, and for a while there, I was actually the porn king of the University of Western Australia. <laughs> James Panakis recorded live at Bareface Stories in Perth. And that story took place in the neighbourhood of Nedlands. I asked James what it was like. What are the things that you remember about Nedlands from the early 90s? Our life was kind of centred around around UWA. I'd spend a lot of time there and after hours going going back to work going back to UWA to, to work on my on my project uh, after hours and on weekends. We'd sort of we'd hang around with the staff quite a bit as well. So a bunch of us would on Fridays we'd uh, head down to Steve's, which back then was a really lively uh, pub. Also the U, the UWA Tavern, which was a lot more laid back back then. You know there was there wasn't this big fence outside. You could just sort of sit outside on the on the wall and you'd bump into everybody you ever knew. You'd see everyone you ever knew from school, uh, people that you studied with before, um, and it was really great. So typically we'd go out and have a few drinks, maybe at the tavern or at Steve's, and then we'd we'd uh, head off and um, find somewhere to eat locally, Chelsea Pizza or those sort of places around there. And uh, yeah, it was very very casual and uh, and a fun place to live and to study. It also seemed like it just wasn't the lifestyle that was relaxed, but also the rules on what you could download online. Well, yes. Um, I was talking to a friend about this just today. In fact, that if we had done what we did back then, if we did that now, uh, we'd probably get into a fair bit more trouble because down, using uh, university equipment for that sort of thing, and um, you know, we were pretty open about it too. It would, you know, we'd just have it. Have, we'd be uh, running our little program there in the open, and people would be walking past. And attitudes towards that sort of thing were definitely more relaxed, despite. The fact that you were downloading naughty material, that was a pretty cool program that you wrote. The things were out there. Um, it was normally a bit more of a manual process to obtain them. Um, but we thought, well, the computer can do this better than we can. And um, yeah, I did spend a fair bit of time of the first year of my PhD writing this program, um, completely unrelated to my research. Not completely. I guess the, the skills that you, you gain from, from writing any software, you can always transfer to something else. At least that's the way I'd like to justify it. You certainly put Perth and UWA and Nedlands on the map when you choked up the internet. Our connection to the internet was pretty limited at that time. Australia probably had about the same bandwidth connection to the rest of the world as, as the average household does these days. So it wasn't hard to choke it up. Just like an average teenager in an average household. Yeah, except I was like 25 at the time. <laughs> Thanks, James, and I'm, I'm glad that you've cleaned up your act. Thanks, Andrea. A big thanks to James Panakis for sharing that story and having a chat with me afterwards. It's always interesting 
to find out a little bit more about the storytellers and dig a tiny bit deeper. You've been listening to Untold Stories of Perth, Bareface Stories Editions, commissioned by the City of Perth. If you'd like to hear more wonderful true tales just like that one, you can head to barefaced.com.au. A huge shout out to the creators of the music you are hearing on this podcast, local band Odette Mercy and her soul Atomics. I've been Andrea Gibbs. I'm the co-founder of Bareface Stories. I'll see you around.